Now, I don't know how many of you guys know this or not. Um, I don't keep it very well hidden, but um, I'm a little bit of a Star Wars fan. Uh, I've seen every movie multiple times. I can quote most of the movies line for line. I've read the majority of the books, both the, in the official canon and the, uh, the expanded universe, which is no longer canon. I've, I've read a lot of the comics. I've seen all the shows. I love Star Wars. As a matter of fact, there's a brand new Star Wars series that started on Friday night called Kenobi, and it is amazing. I mean, I, I cannot imagine trying to be a writer for this show, though, because they have to write a show that's designed for fans like me, who know everything that's ever taken place in the Star Wars universe, and they have to write a brand new story that's going to fit into that canon, that overall story that's going to fit in line and make perfect sense and pull me into it even more. And at the same time, they have to write a story that's going to draw in brand new viewers. That's a huge challenge. And to be quite honest, um, for those who watched the very first couple of episodes, they probably thought it was great, because it's Star Wars, uh, but they probably missed a lot of the Easter eggs. Do you, you know what I mean by an Easter egg? They'll, they'll, they'll put little hints, little details in here, there, that will be really exciting for nerds like me, who catch every little detail, and for other people, it, might, they, it just might gloss right over. They might not recognize it for what it is. And see, the funny thing is, is that the same thing is true with God's Word, with the Bible. It's easy for us to open up the Bible to one scripture and to read through it and to kind of get a general gist or get a good idea of what is going on. But unless we have the full context, we can miss out on some of those important nuances that gives us deeper and maybe better understanding of what God is talking about in here. And today, we're going to look at a story that, oh, it kind of fits in line with that exactly. So, do me a favor, grab your Bibles, and let's open up to the book of John. John chapter 6. Um, if you have a physical Bible, uh, I encourage you to open up to it. Um, if there's some younger people around that need some assistance with that, older people help them out. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you grab your phone. Go to BibleGateway.com, open up the Bible app. I'm sure there's a younger person that could help you with that if you need help with, their, with that as well. So today we're going to get a chance to look at probably one of Jesus' most challenging teachings because we're going to see by the time we're, the Jesus is done here, his crowd of followers are going to go from thousands of people to probably just a few dozen. Um, and um, this is a Bible text that we're going to have to dig into. Um, we're not going to be able to just kind of like nuke our way through it. Um, is that a phrase you guys have ever heard of before? Just kind of nuking something? You, you know, the microwave, nuking it? Um, I, I need a volunteer. Um, I need somebody who loves cookies. Is there a cookie lover in here? Oh, Steph, come on up, come on up. All right, thank you so much. Come on up. And uh, to help explain or to give an example of what I'm talking about, I brought a microwave up here with me today. Because, uh, you know, you never know when you're going to need a snack. So you say that you love cookies. I have some chocolate chip cookie dough. Does that look good? Yeah, I can't eat the dough. I you, have to have a cookie. You have to have the cookie. Okay, all right. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, they only gave me 20 minutes here this morning. So I don't have time to go preheat the oven and run it through there for 10 to 12 minutes. But 
we can try to nuke it. Have you ever microwaved a cookie before? No, I haven't. Well, let's see what happens. All right. Let's, uh, 60 seconds? Yeah, that might be too long. What? Let's see. 40 seconds? 50 seconds? 40. Let's do 40. Let's do 40. All right. Did everybody find uh, John chapter 6? John is in the New Testament. It's uh, the fourth book in the New Testament. It's actually um, one of the Gospels, one of the first or the four books that share with us a lot of Jesus' life, where he goes, what he teaches about, the miracles that take place. And today we're going to pick up Jesus as he has arrived to a mountainside and a crowd of people have approached him. But before we get to that, let's see how our cookies are doing. They're flattening out. Do they look like cookies? Are you feeling confident? I'm feeling confident. You're feeling really confident. Okay, you're feeling more confident than I am. All right. Um, um, I've seen cookies before. But they look a little. They don't look like cookies. Oh, sorry. Did you burn your hand? No, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. It is hot though. Do they smell like cookies? Oh, yeah. They do. I'm not sure if they're going to taste like cookies, though. No, they're kind of little prickly. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that you cannot new cookies. There's no easy way to just kind of shortcut your way through it. we got to go through the work of turning on the oven and all That's that good right. stuff. I like a nice brown and crispy. A nice brown and crispy cookie. Well, you know what? I did promise you cookies. And so I do have some cookies here for you to take back to your table, and you can yeah. share that with the rest of the people. Everybody give Seth a round of applause. Thank you very much. Sometimes we can't rush things. And so right now, we're going to take some time as a table and read through John chapter 6. I want you to read aloud, work your way around the table. Everybody take a couple of verses or something like that, and read verses 1 through 15. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a minute or so. All right, so I'm actually going to take it back just one chapter earlier. In John chapter 5, we actually find Jesus in Jerusalem, and he is there teaching. He is teaching throughout the city of Jerusalem, and he actually heals a man, and the uh, religious leaders hear that Jesus healed this man, and <gasps> he healed them on the Sabbath. They thought that was wrong. How dare he? And shortly after, Jesus leaves Jerusalem, and he begins to work his way north through the countryside, through Israel. And everywhere he goes, it seems like he's going through, he's continuing to teach, he's continuing to perform miracles and heal people, and he gets to uh, the Sea of Galilee, and he and his disciples, they hop on the boat, and they travel across the Sea of Galilee. Now, Jesus, Jesus had followers, Nowadays, on YouTube, we have subscribers. When you find a YouTube uh, uh, creator that you like, you click that subscribe button. And then every time you go onto YouTube, their videos pop up. On TikTok, you have followers. It means every time you open up the app, there's more videos from that person. Well, Jesus, he had the OG followers. For those of you who don't know what OG means, it simply means the original the OG original followers. And by that, I mean that wherever Jesus went, his followers went too. And so a lot of the people that were, that were there and heard him in Jerusalem 
followed him as he traveled north. They wanted to see what he was doing, hear what he was saying. And uh, even when Jesus hopped on the boat and crossed uh, the, the Sea of Galilee, got there to the mountainside, people still found him, which, quite honestly, is amazing if you think of it. He didn't have a tracker on his iPhone so they could find him. There wasn't news organizations saying, Jesus spottings. No, it was simply word of mouth. Jesus was trending. People were talking about him. And they were able to find him wherever he went. And so he's here on this mountainside, and this crowd of people begin to gather. And Jesus looks on them, or looks at them, and he has some compassion, and he's like, well, how are we going to feed all these people? Kind of testing his disciples there a little bit. And Andrew says, hey, I found this kid who has a basket of food. As a matter of fact, today here, I have a kid who has a basket of food. Would you bring that up for me, please? Here she comes. Everybody give my helper a round of applause. Thank you so much. Awesome. The little boy brought a basket of food just like this. Okay, my basket's probably a little bit fancier because his was just a sandwich. I mean, his was just a lunch. And uh, he had five small barley loaves and he had a couple of fish. And quite honestly, probably my fish are probably bigger than the ones that he had. But they brought him to Jesus, and then Jesus did something amazing. He did a miracle. He took this bread, and he began to break it, and they began to pass it out, and they fed the whole crowd. But you know what? Ten, I mean, 5,000? What does 5,000 people look like? Well, quite honestly, I mean, 5,000 people is a low number because the Bible said that the 5,000 was counting the who? The men. They didn't even count the women and the children that were probably there. So let's, let's make it a conservative estimate and say it was just 10,000 people there. This is, this is not even enough to feed us here today and to get our fill. Probably not even one table's worth of people. Okay, but 10,000? What does 10,000 look like? All right, we got, let's just say we have 100 in here right now today, and that's a good starting point. But let's say if if everybody, all 10,000 people were ready for a picnic, okay, sitting at a table like where you're at, if you took away this building and you filled our entire property here on the church campus with tables and chairs and people, you would just barely fit 10,000 people on our property. Does that help you get a little bit of visualization? Jesus took that and fed a multitude. It was amazing. And the people knew it because when it was all said and done, what were they starting to talk about? This is that prophet. And they started about talking about how they were going to take this guy and they were going to make him their king. Jesus didn't want that, though. That was not why he was there. As a matter of fact, if we would have kept on reading that chapter, we would see that Jesus, as evening came, he told his disciples, hop in a boat, go out over the Sea of Galilee. Jesus stayed behind. In the middle of the night, Jesus catches up with them. <laughs> Not by boat. He walks out there on his own. He joins them. They cross the, 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 uh, the lake the rest of the way. And then the next morning, the crowd of people were still there at the mountainside. They noticed that, hey, Jesus' disciples, they went out on the, on the, uh, the lake last night and they never came back. And now we can't find Jesus either. 
So they hop in their boats, and they start to travel after him as well. They finally find Jesus. If you got your Bibles, let's flip over to verse 25 and 26. That's where they catch up with Jesus. It says, and when they found him on the other side, they said, or they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because, of, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Jesus, he's saying, you know what? You're not after me because you know, you know who I am. You're after me because you know what I can give you, what I have given you. I've given you some delicious food. What is this miraculous sign? What was so, such a big deal about that? Here's where our context comes into play a little bit. Exodus. Uh, God's people, slaves in Egypt. They were enslaved by a tyrant by the name, or who's, uh, who had the title of Pharaoh. And he, he was not going to let the people go, even though he was asked to. So God sent his servant Moses... And with a mighty hand, God rescued the people of Israel from slavery. They crossed the Red Sea into the wilderness. And in Exodus chapter 15, you know what we find in Exodus chapter 15? We find a song called the Song of Moses. Now, it's a, it's a song where the Israel or the, the people of God, they are celebrating that our God is a deliverer. Our God is powerful. He has, re, uh, he has rescued us from Pharaoh and his mighty chariots. They are celebrating what God has done. You know what we find in Exodus chapter 16? They're griping to God and Moses that they're hungry and how horrible it is out here and how at least in Egypt we had food to eat. Not very grateful, at least not for very long. And then God hears his people, and it says that he has compassion on them, and he tells the people that he is going to provide for them. He's going to give them manna. And every day from that point on, God provided manna for his people. Every morning they were given instructions to get up, to go and gather the manna from the ground, enough that you will eat for the day and only for one day, because it will only last one day. And for 40 years, every morning, God provided their manna. Well, once they got to the promised land, they didn't need the manna anymore. What was the promised land? It was flowing with milk and honey. It, was, it had a, a wonderful area for crops, for, um, for cattle, and for livestock. That was what I was looking for. And uh, the land was able to provide before what only God could in the wilderness. Well, as time went by, the prophets began to prophesy about the coming of the Messiah and how the Messiah was going to bring new manna. And what did they just see Jesus do? He took a kid's lunch and he fed a multitude. They were thinking, hey, this, this could be that new manna. This could be that guy. 
And as they come to Jesus, Jesus kind of calls them out. He says, hey, you come here not because of who you think I am, but because of what I can provide for you. We don't do that, do we? Do you find yourself coming to God because there's things that you need? I'm kind of guilty of that sometimes. What's your prayers sound like? Do you spend a lot of time celebrating what God has done and thanking Him for who He is? For the hope, for a new life that we're to have in heaven with Him? Or do we fill our prayer time with things that we want? Jesus kind of gets after the people there in verse uh, um, 25 and 26. He says, I tell you the truth, you are asking for me not because of the you saw the miraculous signs, but because of the loaves that you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. In English... We have one word that we use that gets trans, or we have one word that we use for multiple different ideas of life. I might say, hey, how's life going? And I'm expecting you to tell me, hey, kind of how's your week? How you doing? How's everything going? But if I point and say, hey, is he alive? I mean something different, right? Are they breathing? Is the blood pumping? Is their brain working? And Jesus is saying, hey, you are coming to me and you have a problem. But it's not a hunger problem. We have a problem within our lives. We have a hole. We have an emptiness. We have a need. Fortunately, in the Greek, they have two words. Actually, they have three words for life. The first word that they use is bios, which is a, a, a word that they use to talk about the physical thing. In uh, Luke chapter 8, uh, Luke writes about a woman who went from doctor to doctor to doctor and spent all of her bios, all of her money, all of her resources to find a cure. And then there's another word in the Greek language, which is what the New Testament is written in. It's the word zoe. And this is a word that talks about like an eternal life, what comes afterwards. And that's what Paul is talking about. That's the word that he uses in, in uh, Romans chapter 6 when he says that, um, in Christ, I have been buried so that I will have the newness of life, the, a new life, a eternal Zoe life. And that's the distinction we're seeing here with Jesus. Jesus is saying, hey, you're coming to me looking for a bio solution, a, a, a solution for our hunger, and I have come for something more, that you would have eternal life. Man, I wish I could spend more time in this, but my time is almost up. Have you ever tried to cover and deal with a sin problem, with a hole in our lives, in your life, with something physical before? Yeah? We, we all try to find simple solutions for deep-rooted problems in our lives. Sometimes we go to the refrigerator. <laughs> Sometimes we raid the cookies. Sometimes we order out. Sometimes we find a pill. Sometimes we find a bottle. 
Sometimes we feel like we don't matter much, and so we go and look for affirmation from other people. It could be our boss, a coworker, a friend, maybe even a spouse. We try to find all these different ways to deal with our need for a Savior, and we try to find satisfaction in something physical, something that I can have more control over. Jesus says, don't chase after food that's going to spoil, but for the food that lasts eternal, for eternal life. The guy asked, well, then what what work should I do to get this food? If we had time to read it, I'd have you do that. I encourage you to read the rest of chapter 6 later on today. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. That is it. Unless you eat my body, unless you drink my blood, you will have no life. And the people, when they heard that, when they heard that Jesus was saying, all that you need was him and him alone, they began to struggle. As a matter of fact, they said, teacher, this teaching is hard. And many of them walked away. And to us looking at them, it's hard for us not to be a little judgmental. It's hard for us to be not a little judgmental of the people of Israel as well. But let's be honest and let's reflect upon ourselves. How often do we find ourselves turning to other solutions to fulfill the problems and the issues that we have within our lives other than God? Do we turn to others? Other vices? The fact is, is that we live in a day and age where living has never been easier. It's never been simpler. I mean, we're all sitting here. We got fed this morning, probably. We all have a roof over our head. We have clean water on access, on tap. We're even sitting here in air conditioning. And yet, with all the ease that we have in our life here today... There's still something missing. There's still a hole in our life. We still feel this desire that we need something more. And so we try to fill that with hobbies. Sometimes we try to fill that with family. We try to fill it with all kinds of other things. Maybe it's just scrolling through Facebook or YouTube and TikTok for hours on end. But what if Jesus really meant it when he said, I am the bread of life. All you need is me. We're going to take a couple minutes and talk about that at our tables. I have three questions I would like for you to discuss. If they can go up on the screen, please. Uh, The first question is this. What are the things that you find yourself turning to to fill this emptiness that we sometimes feel, or when we have problems that need to be fixed. I encourage you to read John chapter 10, verse 10. It's just one verse. Do you truly believe that Jesus is enough? Or sometimes do you find yourself becoming dissatisfied because you know God can do more, 
and you really, really kind of want it. And the last question is, what can you do today to start, evidently I have a typo there because I can't type, uh, to, to start or to deepen your relationship with Jesus? I want you to take a few minutes. I'm going to give you only three, unfortunately, because our time is drawing to you a close. Three minutes to work through some of these questions together as a table. Go ahead and start your discussion.